Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. As you remain standing with me today, we're looking into the Word of the Lord. And as we look into the Word of God, we're asking you to join with us today as we begin to see what God would have to say for us in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 10. Paul is writing to Timothy here, and he's discussing with him things that are very important to his future. He says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue. Somebody say continue. But continue, Timothy. This is, what I'm, this is my admonishment to you. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I preach today from this subject why I continue to believe. Why I continue to believe. Would you ask the Lord to help us now? Jesus, I'm asking you, Lord, in the next few moments that you would enable us in the breaking of the bread of life God, we need you. We have no might or power on our own, but we're asking you, Lord, for a touch. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need you, Lord, to move into this place in Jesus' name. God, let the word of God fall upon our hearts. Let it do its intended work. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you lift your voice with me one more time? And would you make a joyful sound of praise unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody do it joyfully unto God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. We have visited this particular arena on different occasions, but the polls continue to amaze me as we see the statistics roll in that Religion is being driven from the fabric of American culture. And religion is not held in high regard in the United States of America or any place in the world. And it's quickly becoming a very isolated thing, separating people from this place of worship and consecration to God. Somewhere in the 20th century, More than nine in ten Americans said they believed in God and they belonged to some form of organized religion. And with the great majority of these that attended some form of organized religion, 
They called themselves Christian. It happened somewhere in the 1990s, according to statistics, that that historical tether between American identity and faith snapped. And in that process, the religious non-affiliation continued to rise and soar as people separated themselves from any type of religious identity. And by the early 2000s, there was an overwhelming share of people who said they supported no form of religious affiliation at all in their life. Now, what is important is this, is that while there is this chasm between religion and American culture, it's not just organized religion that seems to be under attack. It's not just, just religious affiliation that seems to be under attack. But I give to you for your consideration today that it goes far deeper than the separation of, of one from any type of religious affiliation. It, it really zeroes in on, on the faith itself. Because it's not just separation, it is the fact that there is no real concept of doctrine and truth that holds people in our modern world. This is because, and, and we can point our fingers and blame it at, at the church itself. Paul tells Timothy in, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, he tells him that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. In other words, the church is what is to be the support work of truth. The church is what it's supposed to become the very firm territory upon which truth can rest itself. And when the church releases its grip and its hold on truth, when the church no longer feels that the truth is important, when the church no longer feels that doctrine is important, when the church no longer feels that fundamental principles of the Word of God are, are no longer valid, that they're things that can be auctioned off, they are things that can be set aside, then, then we find that, that the church no longer becomes the stronghold for truth and there's nothing for men to associate themselves with. That's the reason why when you, when you read the epistles and you read it very closely that some 77 times in the epistles there is some reference to, to the word truth because Paul and other epistle writers are trying to affirm to an early church the importance of doctrine, the importance of truth, the importance of a, a specific teaching that grounds one in the direction that they are going. And in his letter in particular to Timothy, in the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he makes reference to the word truth and doctrine some 23 times, trying to tell Timothy that it's more than just church affiliation, but there is a truth and there is a doctrine that holds one. And when there is no doctrine or truth that holds one, then there comes this separation from religious affiliation. We are, we are in 
these days in which that we find that, that the Word of God is being so watered down, so diluted, uh, there are doctrines that have been significant and doctrines that have been the, the very the very crux of what the church is is supposed to be and what it represents is these doctrines have been set aside not necessarily to say that we no longer believe them but we no longer preach them and if we no longer preach them then people no longer believe them and as a result the church now becomes just a social center it becomes just merely something that 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 it's a club just some place to say that I I belong but there is nothing really to hold us there. Now, Paul in his writing to Timothy, he tries to impress upon him as he opens this third chapter. He tells him in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. He said, Understand, Timothy, that, that there in the last moments of time, as we approach the coming of the Lord, there will come days that it will be very hard for faith to exist and a solid trust and a confidence and for doctrine to thrive. And because of the conditions of the days that we are living in, he called them perilous times. That is, they are troublesome days. They are difficult days. They are hard times. And, and before we wave off the severity of Paul's description when he calls the last days perilous times, may we look at the only other place in the New Testament where that word is used and we find it in the book of Matthew chapter 8 when the gospel writer tells us in the 28th verse that when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergarines there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs and then here it is he said they were exceeding fierce it's the same word that Paul uses in 2 Timothy 3 and 1 when he calls these perilous days. In other words, these are exceedingly fierce days. But notice what the gospel writer says about these that were exceedingly fierce. He said they were so exceeding fierce that no man might pass by that way. He said they were so difficult and they were so fierce. And he said there was such a state of mind that it was impossible for anybody to pass by them. It's the same word Paul uses in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1 when he says that in the last days perilous times shall come. And before you wave that off, what he's saying is this. He said these are going to be days that are hard to navigate. These are going to be days that are going to be hard to be able to move in the realm that you need to move in. And it's going to be very difficult to be spiritual. And it's going to be very difficult to be dedicated. And it's going to be very difficult to be consecrated. And it's going to be very difficult to be sold out to God. And it's going to be very difficult to make a commitment to God in the way that it needs to be made. These are not just ordinary days that we're in right now. But these are days that are difficult because the very fabric of what we believe is challenged. Everything that you and I have held dear for years is being contested right now. Truths that you and I have embraced from the very beginning 
They are coming under attack. And people are telling us and philosophers are telling us and those in high places and positions are telling us that this word is not really true anymore and that those doctrines are outdated and those are things that we ought to lay aside and we oughtn't to be so narrow-minded. May I tell you on this Sunday morning that if it was good once, it's good today. If it was good 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it's still good today. And if there was ever a time that the church needs to be the pillar and the ground of truth, it is in 2020 where the church needs to rise and say, we still believe in the apostles' doctrine. We still believe that there's one God and his name is Jesus. We still believe. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It may be difficult, but I'm going I'm to traverse this life, this difficult way, holding to the truth of the Word of God. Now let me tell you how it's, why it's so difficult. Paul gives us two things in this third chapter. He talks first of all about evil conduct that arises in this day. And he gets pretty descriptive in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 2 when he says, Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He, he's talking about a conduct of evil that is in society and we, we see and we are witnessing this kind of conduct and, and this conduct is in, is, is in opposition to truth. It is in opposition to those that are sold out to the message. It is in opposition. And so it becomes, I was telling someone here not long ago that at one time we had society on our side. At one time there were certain values that society held that supported the, the church and supported the position of the church. There were certain things that society deemed important. But now we live in a generation where society has abandoned all of those things and they no longer hold to a set of values and morals and principles to guide their life and the church becomes the last bastion of, 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 of support for truth and for the things of God and so it becomes very difficult as we look at, at the evil conduct and if you think it's going to get better Paul tells him, Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13 he said I want you to know it's just going to wax worse and worse as we go along that there isn't going to be any reprieve from any of this but it's just going to get worse and worse so if there was ever a time that you and I need to support truth it is right now in fact I'd just like to serve notice on the devil at the very first Sunday of 2020 that there's still a church there's still a people there's still a congregation that believes in truth in the word of God and it don't matter how bad it gets. We're going to stand right where we've always stood. And we're going to believe what we've always believed. Oh, I wish I had a little help now. 
It's not just evil conduct, Paul says, but he said it's evil conversation. If it was just conduct, if that's all we had to, to deal with in trying to uphold truth, but it's evil conversation. Look what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 6. He talks about people who creeps into houses and they lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. He said they come in with, with, with such deception that they prey on the minds of individuals who are not committed to truth, that are not committed to doctrine, that are not committed to the word of God, and they easily cause them to fall prey to a false religion and a false doctrine and false belief and false teaching. And he said it's this evil conversation because they're not happy in just their conduct. They've got to get in your mind. They're not just happy with doing what they want to do on the streets. They're not just happy with what they want to do in the media. They want to get in your brain. And they do it with their words. And as they get into your mind with their words, they begin to tell you that there's really no value. And there's really no importance to that message. And that's outdated. And that's old fogey. And that's something that you don't need to... We, 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 we've been enlightened. We've got greater knowledge now. We've got greater understanding standing now. I'm preaching for somebody in this building on this Sunday morning that would allow some deceptive voice to get in your brain and tell you it's just not important anymore and it just don't matter what you believe and it just don't matter how you live. We need somebody to say, you know what? This is what I've always believed and this is what I'll always believe. This is what I've always stood for and this is what I'm always going to stand for. This is what I've always embraced and this is what I'm always going to embrace. I may have to do it by myself but I'm committing today to continue to still believe the message of the Word of God. Is there any help in the house today? Is there anybody that just wants to still, still nudge your neighbor and say, I still believe. Peter calls these voices mockers because that's exactly what they do. He said there's these scoffers that rise in the last day telling us where is the promise of his coming. These voices mock your dedication to doctrine. They mock your dedication to truth. They, they, they try to belittle you and cause you to feel small because you embrace that. That's what their design is to do. But can I tell you, God's not going to be easily pushed off the stage. God's not easily just closed up somewhere in isolation because while Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that in the last days these perilous times evil conduct and evil conversation is going to be around. Peter said in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse number 16 at the phenomenon of Pentecost he says this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that it shall come to pass in the last days. I want evil to know that there's somebody else on the stage. I want evil to know that there's somebody else still in the arena that in the last days saith God, I will pour out of my spirit. It may be in the last days that there's evil conduct and it may be in the last days that there's evil conversation, but I'm telling you there's still something else happening and my God is still faithful to his word and he'll still pour out his spirit and he'll still fill with the Holy Ghost and he'll still change lives and he'll still alter hearts and he'll still renew families and homes. The stage is not occupied by evil, by 
itself. There's somebody, oh, I wish I had some apostolics in the house that knew that God is still on the throne. Come on, I know. I know in the last days perilous times shall come, but in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep believing. Keep believing. Mm. Nudge your neighbor and tell him to keep believing. Probably, probably individuals. Point at yourself and say, me. Yeah, me. Probably individuals feel this, this war because you know what Satan does? This is the way Satan works. He, 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 he starts working. Before he works on a whole, he, he works on an individual. He just, just kind of starts just just with an individual. And he'll, he'll crawl up in your brain. And he'll settle in your mind. And if he can get you to doubt your faith, your convictions, your doctrine. If he can get you to say, you know, I know it's what daddy always preached. But I've, I've kind of got a little enlightenment. You know, me and my buddies, we've been t- discussing about this and been talking a little bit about it, you know. And uh, I, I know it's what Daddy always taught, but, you know, I, I, just, I, I'm just, I just don't know if that's the way it is. And before long, he's got, he's got an individual in it. And then, and then he comes along here and he, he, he's, got, he's got another individual because now he's got, he's got this individual over here that, uh, that he's kind of got swayed and... Before long, he gets two heads together. And what's over here crawls up in here. And this one starts thinking, well, you know, if, he, if he's kind of got some doubts, well, maybe, just maybe so. Maybe I ought to start thinking about this a little bit. Just consider it. Huh? I know Daddy always, but you know, he, you know, then before long we we got us a, we got us we got us a trio, you know. And we got all kinds of heads together, you know. Because the devil never works on a whole; he works on an individual. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to crawl up in your brain. He wants to get up in your mind. He wants to crawl up between your ears and plant 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 a little doubt. Just, 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 just a little seed, and the devil's real patient. You know, I'm impatient, but the devil's very—he's very patient. He can wait a long time on one little seed of doubt, just one little question that he drops over in your brain, and he can wait a long time as you sit there and you ponder it and you think it and you turn it over and you you mess with it and you walk away from it and then you come back to it and then you oh I feel like I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost right now and then you 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 walk away from it and then you come back and you flip it a little more and then you linger a little longer at that doubt and you play just a little longer with that that little idea in your head about you know it's just it's really not real and you know it's you know we we we've got a whole lot of more knowledge than they've had before 
before. And we understand things a little different. And we're, we're in a new age. And before long, uh, the devil has pulled your mind uh, into some things. And you're walking away from what you once believed. Uh, hear me now, ladies and gentlemen. We are much in the position of Timothy that Paul is writing to. Because Timothy is finding himself uh, in our text today. He's finding himself at the center of a war that the devil is waging against the mind to get someone to walk away from their truth and to walk away from their convictions. And, and, and you know, T- Timothy's always, he's always had to battle for, 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 for what he believed in. You know, Timothy didn't grow up in a, in, a, in a perfect home. In fact, he grew up in a religiously divided home. The scripture tells us in the book of Acts chapter 16 that, that his mother was a Jewish and she believed, but his father was a Greek leading us to believe that there may have been a little division in the home as far as to what to embrace religiously, what to believe about God. And no doubt there may have been occasions in that home when his daddy said, come on, Timothy, what mama says really doesn't matter. And mama would look over at Timothy and say, Timothy, this is the word of God and this is what we need to believe. And maybe for a little while, Timothy was kind of caught in the crossfire between daddy and mama. But somewhere in the story, Timothy finds some truth nestled in those scriptures. And he finds some truth nestled down in that word of God. And he looks at mama and he says, that's what I believe. That's truth. And he buys into it. And he embraces it. And he becomes a man of conviction. And the Bible tells us that that he grows up in Lystra. And as he grows up there, he becomes identified as one who has a good report and who is able to follow the Apostle Paul. Notice what Timothy is reminded of by the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 18. He said, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou mightest war a good warfare. He tells him in 2 Timothy 2 and 3, he said, Endure hardness as a good soldier. Timothy, everything you fought for, you're going to have to stay as it as if it were on a battlefield and you're going to have to stay on the front lines and you're going to have to fight for your faith and you're going to have to fight for your convictions and you're going to have to fight for what's been settled down in your heart. It's not going to come easy but it's worth fighting for and if I can preach to anybody on this first Sunday of 2020 I've come to tell you this thing is worth fighting for. Wish I had a little help now. Somebody on this, anybody? I wish I had a little help. Come on, it's worth fighting for. I said it's worth fighting for. I said it's worth fighting for. Oh, I said it's worth fighting for. Come on, you got to get on the front lines and say, devil, I'm not going to let you take this away from me. I'm going to believe this. I've had to fight for this from my very beginning and I'm holding on to it. See, Satan wants you to give up on your faith. That's what the Lord told Peter in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I pray that thy faith fail not. Satan wants you to walk away from your faith. He wants you to walk away from those convictions and doctrines and beliefs. He wants you to say it don't apply to today. It's just something that was way back then. It's not important now. He wants you to give up on all of that, but I've come to tell you this is not time to opt for another. This is not 
not time to opt for another Jesus. This is not time to opt for another gospel. This isn't time to opt for another spirit because there isn't another gospel and there's not another Jesus and there's not another spirit. There is no new revelation, honey. We got the revelation. It's the word of God. There isn't another and somebody needs to rise up and say, I'm fighting for it. I'm fighting for it for my family. I'm fighting for it for my home. I'm fighting for it for my kids. But I'm not going to give up on it. Paul said he feared in 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. He said, I fear by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. He said, I got a fear that the devil would try to, 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 to convince you and bring deception to your life so that, that you, you bought into his scheme and you gave up on truth. Jude says it in verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. I've come to tell you that it's time to continue to believe what we've always believed. This isn't time to part ways with truth. This isn't time to part ways with doctrine. This isn't time to say that it doesn't matter. But if there was ever a time to put on the whole armor of God, take unto you the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and gird your loins about with truth. Uh, put the, the feet uh, the shoes on, the, on your feet the gospel of peace. Take the shield of faith uh, and the sword of the spirit in your hand and wage war against the devil but I'm not backing up. I'm going to stay right where I'm always staying. So Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 14 he says continue. Somebody shout continue. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, the things that you first started believing in, he said, I want you to continue in them. I want you to continue. I want you to remain. I want you to wait. I want you to stay. I want you to, I want you to keep the faith. I don't want you to walk away from it. Just continue in those things. So I've come to preach on this Sunday morning that I'm just going to continue with what I started with. I celebrated my 49th Holy Ghost anniversary this past Thursday, uh, uh, January the 2nd. And uh, I reminded my wife that I had, had received the Holy Ghost 49 years ago at that front pew in Union City, Tennessee at 1211 Miles Avenue. I remember it well that night, but hear me now, these 49 years later, I refuse to quit on what I got then. I refuse to walk away from what I received then. So I'm just going to keep on. They may fall on my left and they may fall on my right, but I'm just gonna stay with what I've got. I'm gonna continue to believe. Somebody throw your hands in the air and would you serve notice on hell right now? I'm just staying with it. I'm preaching for somebody right now. Come on, I'm preaching for somebody right now. The devil's been trying to get in your mind. I'm preaching to somebody right now. The devil's been trying to get in your heart. He's been trying to divert you. Somebody needs to make up your mind. I'm continuing to believe what I've always believed. So why am I sticking you? Why am I sticking with it? Why am I staying with this great apostolic message? Why do I refuse to walk away from it? 
it would be a whole lot easier to do something else. It would be a whole lot easier to believe something else. It would be a whole lot easier to just not believe anything. It be a whole lot easier just to toss it out. But may I give to you two reasons why I continue to believe. Paul said it like this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 14. He said, Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He said, before you walk away, before you give up on the faith, before you walk away from doctrine and truth, before you decide that it don't matter anymore, he said, you need to consider whom it was that delivered it unto you in the first place. Paul will remind Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and 5. He said, I recall, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded that in thee also. He said, Timothy, I want you to understand something. Your grandmother and your mother put in you this marvelous and wonderful faith as God had revealed it unto them. And for you to walk away from that is to negate that they ever held truth in their hands at all. So before you give up on it, you better realize who it was that gave it to you and introduced it to you because they did not give you just fables. That's what Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 16 we've not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty ladies and gentlemen Sunday morning may I say to you uh, that those that taught us uh, this great apostolic message uh, was not off their rocker they were not crazy they were not out in left field somewhere but they had received a mighty and a powerful revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ need I take you back to the turn of 1900 at Topeka Kansas uh, when when a group of Bible school students uh, said you know what if it's in the Bible where people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Why can't we? So they brought in the in a prayer meeting and during that prayer meeting God baptized that Bible school and those students with the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in other tongues and as that gospel message began to blaze its trail across North America from Topeka to Houston from Houston to LA to Azusa Street revelation came of the mighty God in Christ that God veiled himself in flesh and that he became our propitiation and our lamb that was slain and his name is Jesus. When I consider the price and the cost that was paid for this apostolic message, I think I'll just continue to believe. I think I'll just continue to walk in it. When I understand what it cost to get it here, I think I'll just stay with what I've always had. I think I'll just stay right there. I'm just going to keep my feet planted 
Because Peter said in 2 Peter 1.21, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy man, holy man, holy man. When you discredit your teachers, you discredit the truth. And I don't want to discredit the truth because there was revelation that was given. <laughs> That's the reason why we're in a day, and this is what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 3. He said there's going to come a time when they're not going to endure sound doctrine. He said after they're on their lust, they're going to heap to themselves teachers. They're going to say, we want other teachers. We don't, want, we don't want teachers that have brought us this truth. We want other teachers. We want teachers to teach us things that we want to hear. I don't ever want to change the voice of my teacher. I want to keep the voice of my heritage alive. So I'm just going to continue to believe what I've always believed. But there's a second reason. It's not just whom, but it's the what. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 15... From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture, he says, is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's not just whom I learned it. It's from where I learned it. And I learned it from right here in the word of God. You understand? I... I'm thankful for a godly heritage. I'm thankful for parents that taught me and, and trained me and instructed me. I'm thankful for that. Do you understand something? I don't believe this just because of her. I said, I don't just believe it just because of her. I got reached up there to that little promise box. On top of that shelf this morning, there's a little scarred plaque that sits right behind that promise box. It's a kind of a clear plastic little plaque. It was engraved by a man that worked at a tool and die company in Union City. He made it for my dad, and he put it in the sidewalk. They poured a new sidewalk around the church. And he made that little plaque and he put it in the sidewalk. He asked my dad, I remember, I was just a kid. I remember him, O.H. Duncan. He said, can I put this plaque in the sidewalk in your honor? And dad said, I want nothing to do with it. If you put it there, it's because you put it there. He said, I'm putting it there. Many years later, they sold that building. My mom was still living in Union City. I said, I want you to find somebody to go by and see if they can get that plaque out of that sidewalk. It won't mean anything to anybody else. So they called the new owners and asked them, said, can we have that plaque out of that sidewalk? And so they, they got it out of the sidewalk. It sits on my top shelf. It just simply says, F.L. Borders, Man of God, Union City, Tennessee, 1972. Just find that promise box in front of the commentaries it was my dad's original set of commentaries it sits there but you understand I don't believe this just because of him I don't believe this just because that he taught it to me because you see I've been in this book I've been reading through the pages of this book I've poured over these verses and I've received revelation and truth God has enlightened 
this wonderful word in my heart. Yes, I have a whom, but I have a what. It's the word of God. So you want to know why I'm going to continue to believe? It's because I've seen some things out of this precious book. I've seen some truths out of this precious book. I've seen some doctrines out of this precious book that has kept me, that has preserved me, that has held me, that embraces me, and that refuses to let me go. So you know what? I'm just going to keep on believing what I've always believed. And I'm just going to keep holding to what I've always held to. I got a home, but I got a watch. I got the Word of God. And as long as I've got that, I'm just planting both feet. I'm standing my ground. I believe to the day that I die. I wish I could get a little help in the house this morning. Is there anybody that has made up your mind? I started out to follow Jesus a long time ago. And I'm just going to keep on Keep it on. Take the world, but give me Jesus. I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. You can let it go if you want to, but I'm just staying with it. It served me well. It's kept me through the years. It's kept me in dark paths. It's kept me in deep valleys. It's kept me in front of towering giants. So I'll just stay with it. I'll just stay with it. I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. it's crazy I know it's crazy (laughs) but I find myself doing this I don't even know if I told my wife this I go to funerals people I don't even know and I listen to the comments everything that is said that supposed to encapsulate a person's life and I can't help but sit there and think the Lord should tarry one day I will lie there and what will they say about me what words will they speak and this is what I've come to the conclusion if I should die and you have any part in my funeral I forbid you to say and make me a saint. Don't make me an angel. Don't give me any wings. Just say he was a man that tried to live for God. He had his failures. He had his ups and downs. Don't embellish it. But if you're going to get to say anything, this is what I want you to say. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Please don't talk about a sermon I preached. Please don't talk about an article I've written. Please don't talk about a platform that I've stood on. 
But if you can say anything, I'd like for you to say he kept the faith. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing in all of the world is that I still believe what I've always believed. And I still embrace it. Somebody just lift your hands toward glory. To tilt your face toward heaven. I think we need to start out 2020 right. I think somebody needs to make a fresh commitment. I'm just going to keep on believing what I've always believed. I'm not walking away. I'm not changing doctrines. I'm not changing beliefs. I'm not giving up on the Word of God. I'm just going to keep on believing what I've always believed. You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma. We are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue, Norman, Oklahoma, 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. Call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.